Welcome to the Charleston Time Machine. I'm Nick Butler, historian at the Charleston County Public Library, and I want to get right to the point. One of Charleston's least remembered 18th century neighborhoods was a suburban plantation known as The Point, then Rett's Point, or Rettsbury, and later Trot's Point. This tract, which encompassed approximately 35 acres between King Street and the Cooper River, was assembled in the 1690s by Jonathan Amory, expanded in 1714 by William Rett, and then subdivided in 1773 by the husbands of Rett's great-granddaughters. Most people today think of this property as comprising the southernmost part of the neighborhood called Ansonboro, but it has a history and identity of its own that deserves to be remembered. Jonathan Amory was an English-born merchant who came to South Carolina in the late 1680s by way of Barbados and Ireland. In the 1690s, he became an active public figure here and rapidly acquired money and property. By the time of his death, Amory was Speaker of the South Carolina Commons House of Assembly, Public Treasurer, and Advocate General of the Colony. Shortly before his death, Jonathan Amory had assembled a small plantation just a stone's throw north of the boundary of Charlestown. I know of no record of Amory's name for this property, but he may have called it The Point, as that name seems to have been the common denominator for the easternmost part of this property throughout the 18th century. The property included 10 acres of land Amory had purchased from Isaac Mazik, 10 acres of land purchased from Job House, as well as 14 numbered half-acre town lots granted to or purchased by Jonathan Amory. Jonathan Amory died in October 1699 during a yellow fever epidemic that swept through urban Charleston. His wife, Martha, died a few weeks later of the same sickness. In Mrs. Amory's will, she appointed Sarah Cook Rett to be the guardian of her minor children and the trustee of the extensive real estate that they would inherit. Through a series of legal subterfuges in the early years of the 18th century, Sarah Rett and her husband, William Rett, essentially hijacked the bulk of the Amory inheritance and claimed it as their own. Around the year 1712, they built a large country mansion house near the center of that property, the location of which is now called Number 54 Hazel Street. In 1714, the Retts expanded this property by obtaining a grant for eight acres of marshland fronting on the Cooper River, where today one can see a field of BMWs awaiting export. William and Sarah Rett called this suburban plantation Rettsbury, or Rett's Point. They held the land as a joint tenancy, so the passing of Colonel Rett in early 1723 left his widow in full possession of the property. In the spring of 1728, Sarah Rett married retired Chief Justice Nicholas Trott, and for some time after that date, you'll find references to the property as Trott's Point. Prior to their marriage, however, Sarah Rett and Nicholas Trott settled a prenuptial agreement that allowed Sarah to maintain full control over Rettsbury, as she called it in her 1745 will. 
While still residing at her circa 1712 mansion, Sarah Rhett Trott elected to devise that property to the future children of her youngest daughter, Mary Rhett. In the spring of 1734, just before Mary Rhett wed Richard Wright, Mr. and Mrs. Trott placed Mary's inheritance in a trust administered by the Reverend Alexander Garden and Joseph Ragg. The purpose of the trust was to preserve the Rettsbury property intact for any children of the Rett-Wright Union. Young Mary Rett's husband was essentially to serve as a mere caretaker of the property for the next generation. In the meantime, Sarah Rett and Nicholas Trott continued to enjoy their peaceful suburban retreat until the old Chief Justice died in 1740. Following his death, it appears that Richard Wright and his wife shared the Rett mansion with the widow Trot. In the South Carolina Gazette of 29 August 1743, for example, Captain Richard Wright notified his fellow members of Charleston's 2nd Troop of Horse to muster on October 31st, quote, well-mounted and accoutred by 8 o'clock in the morning at Mrs. Trot's gate, end quote. During the final years of Mrs. Trott's life, the only significant change to the property occurred in 1744 when an act of the legislature extended East Bay Street northward from Daniels Creek, now Market Street, to the town boundary just south of modern Hazel Street. That intrusion into Redsbury was softened by the fact that a decade earlier, the Trots had sold off the exact piece of real estate that was impacted by the extension of East Bay Street in several waterfront lots. It was almost as if they somehow knew that property would eventually give way to the inevitable march of urban sprawl. Perhaps they had insider knowledge. At any rate, in the late 1740s, the southeasternmost part of Trot's Point, as it became known, developed a life of its own. The area between the north end of East Bay Street and the Cooper River became a haven for shipbuilders and related trades. Today, there's a huge Port Authority warehouse on this spot, opposite the east end of Gwynyard Street and Pinckney Street. The death of Sarah Rhett Trott in 1745 signaled the end of an era of relative stability for Rettsbury. Although she had created a trust in 1734 to ensure the property would descend to her grandchildren, Sarah actually outlived some of that plan. Her daughter, Mary Rett Wright, and her husband, Richard Wright, died in 1744 and early 1745, respectively. Their only child, Sarah Wright, was too young to manage her inheritance, so another adult had to step into the picture. Newspaper advertisements from the late 1740s and early 1750s showed that Thomas Smith of Broad Street, Mrs. Rett's grandson-in-law, and Thomas Wright, the uncle of young Sarah Wright, were both actively renting out the old Rett mansion and the adjacent grounds to other people. In 1750, 16-year-old Sarah Wright married James Hazel Jr. of North Carolina. Since Sarah and James spent most of their time in North Carolina, evidence suggests they continued to use local agents like Thomas Smith and Thomas Wright to manage the leasing of Rettsbury and their other Charleston properties. 
Between the late 1750s and 1774, for example, it appears that Santee River planter Thomas Lynch Sr. inhabited the Rhett Mansion and kept a number of racehorses within the fenced boundaries of Rettsbury. This conclusion is based on numerous newspaper advertisements for a place called Lynch's Pasture, which named Thomas Lynch as the current leaseholder of that property. In fact, I'm tempted to conclude that the name Lynch's Pasture was used throughout the 1760s and early 1770s to refer to the entirety of Rettsbury, located west of East Bay Street, while the name Trot's Point was used during that same time period to identify the old Rett Trot property located to the east of East Bay Street. During the final years of James Hazel Jr.'s management of Rettsbury, two other civic changes impacted the peace of this suburban plantation. First, in the summer of 1767, an act of the legislature extended Meeting Street northward from Daniels Creek, now Market Street, through Lynch's Pasture to George Street. Second, another act of the legislature in 1769 moved the town boundary northward to Boundary Street, now called Calhoun Street which transformed Rettsbury into a sort of anomaly, an urban plantation. Following the death of James Hazel Jr. in 1769, the property traditionally known as Rettsbury, but more recently styled Lynch's Pasture, descended to his two daughters, the great-granddaughters of William and Sarah Rett, who were Sarah Hazel, who in 1767 married Parker Quince, and Mary Hazel, who in 1768 married John Ankrum. Since both of these families were permanent residents of North Carolina, however, they had no personal attachment to this Charleston property. They assigned power of attorney to locals to manage the land and collect rents, but the lifespan of Rettsbury Plantation was drawing to an end. The population and the built environment of Charleston expanded rapidly in the decade preceding the American Revolution, and so market forces might have triggered the owners of Rettsbury to subdivide the property. The plantation immediately north of Rettsbury, once called the Bowling Green, had been subdivided and marketed as Ansonboro since 1745. In the spring of 1770, the Harleston family began marketing the subdivision of their large green space immediately west of Rettsbury and Ansonboro. At the same time, the Pinckney family had been selling off parts of Colleton Square just south of Rettsbury since 1743. In the autumn of 1773, the Quince and Ankrum families of North Carolina executed a deed of partition that subdivided Rettsbury into 19 lots to be divided between the two great-granddaughters of William Rett. They hired Charleston surveyor and architect Rigby Naylor to create a plat of Rettsbury that divided the land into 19 numbered lots, each labeled A for Susanna Hazel Quince or B for Mary Hazel Ankrum. In addition to these lots, Naylor's 1773 plat included several new streets to be cut through the property, named Hazel Street, Trot Street, Quince Street, Ankrum Street, and Maiden Street, now Maiden Lane. 
with the exception of Hazel Street and Maiden Lane, the rest of these 1773 street names did not survive for long. The city of Charleston passed an ordinance on the 31st of January, 1805, that merged Trot Street with Wentworth Street, which was created in Harleston in 1770. At the same time, Quince Street was merged with Anson Street, created in 1745, and Ancrum Street with Pinckney Street. Beginning in late 1773 and continuing for more than a decade, you can find numerous newspaper advertisements for the sale of lots in this new subdivision that lacked a name. If you search through the old Charleston newspapers looking for references to Rettsbury or Rett's Point, you'll be disappointed. Most of the advertisements I've seen for this property simply mention the sale of building lots fronting on newly created streets. When they do mention a place name to help you locate the site, it's usually called Lynch's Pasture. In the years following the American Revolution, it seems, the names Rhett, Trot, and even Lynch quickly faded from Charleston's collective memory. In the early 19th century, as Charleston's new center market in Market Street grew into a vibrant institution, all of the land between the market and Boundary, or Calhoun Street, became homogenized under the denomination of Ansonboro. Consider, if you will, the Great Ansonboro Fire of April 1838, which burned a large swath of land from East Bay to King Street, just north of the market. Nearly all of the real estate consumed in that terrible conflagration was actually once the property of Jonathan Amory, who trusted the Rets to protect it for his heirs. Three centuries after the demise of Mr. Amory and Colonel Rett, and all of their heirs, few who live in this neighborhood today remember the legacy of The Point, or Rettsbury. So the next time you're strolling down Hazel Street, I recommend pausing in front of the old Rett Mansion at number 54 to reimagine the scene. Though crowded and bustling today, that site was once a sort of genteel oasis lodged in a picturesque garden facing the morning sun rising over the Cooper River. Kevin Crothers is the executive producer of this program for WYLA at the Charleston County Public Library. CCPL is your home for local history. If you'd like to learn more about our resources, discover upcoming programs, or just explore the Charleston Time Machine, check out the library's website at ccpl.org. Thanks for joining me aboard the Charleston Time Machine. This is Nick Butler, and I'll see you in the future.